This is the first day of this seventh day, November 2021 session. And I'm going to begin uh, reading from a book uh, by Master Sheng Yen uh, called Attaining the Way, a guide to the practice of Chan Buddhism. <clears throat> I've read from Sheng Yen before. Most people are familiar with him. Um, but just briefly, I'll read the, the blurb off the <clears throat> back of the book. Chan Master Sheng Yen, 1930 to 2009, so he died at the age of 79, was a widely respected Taiwanese Chan master who taught extensively in the West during the last 31 years of his life with 21 centers throughout North America, as well as dozens of others throughout the world. <clears throat> author of numerous books. Um, actually, uh, Roshi, uh, Bowden Roshi, went to Taiwan, I don't know how long ago, maybe 10, 12 years ago. It's hard to keep track of time, <clears throat> getting harder and harder, um, for the dedication of a gigantic temple that was built there uh, for him with him as the, the master. <clears throat> and uh, I think it was seven stories high. Uh, it's a lot of money in Taiwan. And uh, it was quite the, uh, quite the scene. Uh, it's a great deal of reverence for him among the Chinese, maybe even a little bit over the top. Um, but uh, we definitely have an affinity with Sheng Yan and with his teaching. Uh, Roshi Kaplow also uh, uh, visited him when he was touring Asia. In fact, those uh, on Temple Night, when we have those rotating sort of pagodas with all the Buddha figures lit up, uh, some people may know what I'm talking about. Uh, those were given to us <clears throat> when we, at one point, one of our visits. Uh, to Taiwan. This book has uh, actually got teachings from four different masters, a couple from uh, <clears throat> hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and then uh, Su Yun, the um, very, very famous Chinese teacher who uh, lived into the 1900s, well into the 1900s, uh, apparently lived to be 120 years old. <clears throat> uh, and then the fourth section is uh, material from Sheng Yan himself. And this is taken from <clears throat> his talks at a session. And uh, I'm going to just start right in. It's uh, entitled Preparing to Practice. And this first section is called, Give Your Body to the Cushion. <clears throat> he says, this is the first morning of a seven-day intensive Chan meditation retreat. In Japanese Zen, this is called Sashin which comes from the Chinese Shesin, 
<clears throat> I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, meaning to collect one's mind into a continuous meditative stream. Very simply, that's what we're here to do. Some of you are attending retreat for the first time. For some, this is an unfamiliar place. <clears throat> this was his center in Queens. It says, the, noise, the noises of New York City never stop. Therefore, it is normal to feel nervous or anxious. My best advice is to just relax. For seven days, you will also have your body to contend with. Most of you will suffer from leg and back pains. You may get tired or sleepy. Again, relax. Your body and your mind will adjust quickly if you do not resist. Make a firm commitment to focus, to leave thoughts of past and future outside these doors. You can and certainly will return to your issues after the retreat, but right now, thoughts about them will hinder your practice. <clears throat> this is such an important point. Uh, the more firm we can be in that commitment, just not going to dwell in those things that will wait for me for after Sashin. Don't want to be spending hours on the mat stewing over things that we can't do anything about right now. have this opportunity, all we have to do is to turn our mind to it. <clears throat> he says, at all times, keep your mind on your method of practice. When wandering thoughts appear, do not follow them. Simply recognize them and return to the method. That, of course, is the trick. <clears throat> not to let one thought link up with another. And the key to avoiding that is to recognize it as a thought. It's when it happens below the level of our conscious awareness that thoughts get in there and hijack our practice. He says, know that once you've ident you identify a wandering thought for what it is, you are no longer on that thought. If you can do this, I guarantee you will have no anxiety over wandering thoughts. Decide now not to be concerned with concepts or physical sensations, both real and imagined. Just focus on the method. That is easier said than done, but if you can do it, time will fly. On the other hand, preoccupation with your thoughts and your body will cause time to drag and you'll experience a lot of discomfort. This is absolutely the case. It's a lesson that's not learned quickly <clears throat> by most of us. Um, sometimes I wonder how I got through early sessions so preoccupied with my thoughts with anticipation of pain, uh, feelings that I wasn't <clears throat> sitting well, and time dragged. It isn't necessary. It's not necessary. 
It's really, it's almost a question of surrendering. When we stay in that position where we're trying to protect ourselves, anticipate what's going to be painful and what's going to be difficult, that's when everything gets multiplied. But when our first thought is to turn to the practice, to see what's there, to look directly, time flies. Sashin actually can become enjoyable. Can be the best thing. But it takes it takes uh, some some resolution. <clears throat> it takes some faith. It's really hard to give up all our um, habitual ways of dealing with adversity, even though they're so dysfunctional. Great thing about Sashin is it's a chance to really get down in the trenches <clears throat> and see for ourselves what works and what doesn't work. It's a tremendous opportunity. <clears throat> Sheng Yan says, do not expect to gain anything. Forget any expectations you may have about practice. <clears throat> the practice itself is your goal. And by being here, you have already achieved that. Continue to make it a reality. How effective would a worker be if the only thing he or she thought about was the check at the end of the month? So do not think about what you'll get by being here or where you'll be after the retreat. Just focus on your purpose, which is to meditate. So this first day's theme is to relax your body and your mind. Take to heart the saying, give your body to the cushion and your mind to the method. If you do that, the rest will take care of itself. Give your body to the cushion. Can help to be aware of just the sensation of your buttocks on the cushion. Bring the mind down out of the head, out of the chest. He goes on, I hope during this retreat that you will refrain from using your ears except to hear my instructions. Refrain from speaking except during interviews, that is, during doksan. Refrain from looking around except when walking or working. At all times, keep your eyes as you would while meditating, and that is to keep clear and wakeful, not to satisfy curiosity. Such a simple thing to adhere to the guideline not to look around, <clears throat> but so many people do. It's really just avoidance. <clears throat> he says to cultivators of Chan, 
I give three guiding principles. First, relax your body and mind. Second, settle upon a practice method as soon as possible. Third, do not concern yourself with how well you are doing. If you follow these guidelines, your practice will be smooth and fruitful. That third one, do not concern yourself with how well you are doing. That's a tough one. Naturally, we want to do well. We want our practice to be effective. We want our lives to change, to progress. But you can't do two things at once. And any time you're judging, gauging how well practice is going, you're not actually fully involved in the practice. You stepped aside. How many times can you do that? Speaking from personal experience, you can do that almost continually. Don't be like me. When you sit in meditation, relax your body from your head to your belly and to your legs. Your mind must not be tense or hurried and always keep a patient attitude. If you sink into torpor or become scattered or if your method is not going smoothly, just relax your body and your mind. Tensing will only add to your afflictions and waste time. Remember, though, the purpose of relaxing is to further your practice not to take it easy. To relax and know that you are relaxed, this is the first step in cultivating practice. Relaxing starts with the correct posture and then sitting peacefully as if you had no concerns at all. So if you discover you are tense, first check your posture, then relax your mind. Indeed, Relaxing helps you discover where you're tense. It sort of exposes where you're clenching, hanging on, unwilling to open fully. And relaxing makes it possible to dissolve those knots. It's actually, it's therapeutic to feel where your tension is. The problem is when you're clenching somewhere and you don't even really know it. It's not conscious. Have that solid base. Your seat, the body floats up from there. Chest is open, chin is drawn in, back of the neck lengthened a little bit. It takes a while, it takes a while, but once you find your seat, yeah, practice becomes kind of wonderful. 
<clears throat> finding your seed does not come quickly. There's a saying, uh, I think it takes three years to find your seed. Of course, it varies extremely from person to person. And I see many people come into practice and their posture is <laughs> exquisite right off the bat. <clears throat> not that I'm jealous. He says, the practice methods we commonly use are breath counting, reciting a Buddha's name, investigating koans, and silent illumination, or shikantaza. <clears throat> we, don't, uh, we don't have that practice that I'm aware of anybody doing of reciting a Buddha's name, but uh, that's done in Pure Land Buddhism. And in China, uh, the Pure Land School and the Zen School are kind of mixed in together. You have uh, monasteries, temples where both are done. And there's actually a koan who is reciting the Buddha's name. So people who have been doing the practice of uh, repeating, I take refuge in Amida Buddha, Namu Amida Butsu is the Japanese formulation. They uh, move on to investigate that koan. Who is it? who's reciting the Buddha's name. I think in Japan there is a lot more uh, concern with purity, not mixing in different practices, and so Pure Land and Zen are uh, seem to be more separated. <clears throat> he says, if you've been practicing a specific method, whether for a short time or for many years, Try to stay with it. Do not be casual about switching. <clears throat> That's probably put the right way. Do not be casual about switching. If you're bouncing from practice to practice, um, you're not going to be able to get very far. But sometimes people have been doing one practice for a number of years, and they're reluctant to even bring up the possibility of, of doing something different. Um, you have to you have to use some judgment, and uh, sometimes it's it's extremely helpful to move from one practice to another, depending on how you're doing and what your how you've developed, how you've moved along. People switch sometimes from one koan to another. <clears throat> People switch from doing shikantaza to koan work or vice versa. As long as you are consulting with a teacher and looking at it objectively, getting someone else's view, don't think that's a terrible thing to do. Other people, the practice they're working on, that's their practice. <clears throat> Prepared to do it for, for their whole lives if necessary. That's a wonderful thing too. <clears throat> then he comes back to the third guideline is not to gauge your own progress. If your practice goes well, don't be elated. If it is not going well, don't get discouraged. Just be sure that you are practicing in accordance with the Dharma. <clears throat> once you get this, once you begin to set aside obsession with your progress or how well you're doing, um, it lifts a burden. 
definitely want to be thorough and determined, want to be vigilant, not flying off into daydreams or thoughts. You want to look directly, not half-heartedly. But you don't accomplish that by worrying all the time about how you're doing. Just notice and respond. Don't carry that burden. My practice is no good. My practice is great. Both are heavy loads to carry. He says, after sitting, adjust your posture so that your whole body is comfortable and as it should be. It is not necessary to sit in the full lotus position. The main thing is to be stable. After your posture is correct, do not pay any more attention to your body. Just keep your mind on your method. If you do all of these things, you will be practicing Chan. Go back again to that uh, main thing is to be stable. <clears throat> For people sitting in a chair, uh, that's a real, that should be uh, something to look at and make sure that you have your body still. Stillness of the body translates into stillness of the mind and vice versa. Ramana Maharshi, the Indian master, said the whole spiritual practice can be summed up in the words, be still. Actually, he quoted the uh, Christian, be still and know that I am God. Being Hindu, he was willing to truck with God. On retreat, we need to observe the Chan principles for living, which are orderliness, cleanliness, tranquility, and harmony. Always maintain a sense of proper order and purity, whether in the Chan hall, the dormitory, the dining hall, or the bathroom. Being orderly means being aware of the correctness of your environment, your personal space, your sleeping quarters, the dining room, and your meditation cushion. If you do this, When you return home, you will surely have a more heightened awareness of order. Without being aware of yourself and your surroundings, how can you be aware of others? At the dining table, eat in silence and with full attention. Afterward, rinse your cup and bowl with a small amount of water, then drink the water, leaving behind no food particles. Place your drinking cup in your rice bowl, and any fruit peelings or napkins into the cup. Utensils go to the right of the cup. Use your napkin to wipe the table where you are sitting, leaving the tabletop spotless as if it had not been used. Only then can we say that the meal has been finished. This mindful attention to eating is intimately related to Chan life and Chan practice. After all, if we eat in a disorderly way and leave a mess, What can be said of our minds? Anyone who's ever been a waiter in Sashin knows that not every place is thoroughly cleaned and not every plate is clean. 
If you are aware of the orderliness and cleanliness of your surroundings, you can be more aware of your inner mind. To purify your mind is no small task, but when your awareness functions in orderly surroundings, your mind can reflect that and become more tranquil. It's one of the reasons for the aesthetic of Zen. Simple, straight, clean. It does have an effect. It does help. Every little bit. Tranquility also means being silent and smooth in your motions. No matter what you are doing, be calm, careful, peaceful, and quiet. This way, even with a lot of people moving in a confined space, there will be order and tranquility. Do not harbor contradictions or antagonisms in your mind. If you cannot harmonize your inner mind, neither can you harmonize with those around you. If you resent your environment and find fault with others, your mind will surely lose its inner balance. An ancient worthy said, Be ever mindful of your own faults as you sit quietly, and when you are talking freely, do not speak of the faults of others. This, of course, is one of the ten cardinal precepts. Not to speak of the faults of others, but to overcome my own shortcomings. Eminity and strife are not the way to harmonize. Tolerance, persuasion, and explanation are better. John practitioners must first do a good job on themselves. If there are no internal contradictions, then you will certainly be able to harmonize with others and with yourself. This next section is called The Twin Pillars of Concepts and Methods. It says, Chan relies on the twin pillars of concepts and methods. Unless both are firmly in place and working together, your practice will lack a firm foundation. Without cultivating practice, studying Buddhist concepts is just an intellectual exercise. On the other hand, practicing the methods without understanding the concepts can lead you astray. Empowerment comes with clearly grasping the concepts and methods and using them to cultivate practice. So please attend to the master's instructions, correct your concepts, and practice your method. One basic concept is to offer your body and mind to the life of practice. This overcomes self-centeredness and all of its consequences. However hard you practice, cultivating from a self-centered stance can only result in more afflictions for yourself and others. Makes me think of something that Wei Neng said, the sixth patriarch of Zen, speaking of bowing. The object of bowing is to break the curtain of self-intoxication, so why not put your head as low as the ground? Cherishing pride is committing a crime, while forgetting your merit 
brings joy beyond measure. Once we understand this and get a flavor for it, doing prostrations is a joy. To lower the small self, to affirm our true self. This is the real meaning of prostrations. says, practice requires three kinds of putting aside. First, putting aside the self. Second, putting aside thoughts about goals. And third, putting aside past and future. The self, in quotation marks, refers to the notion of I that we have as a result of possessing a body and a mind. Goals refers to the benefits of Chan practice, especially enlightenment. The past and future refers to our mental projections of things that no longer exist and things that do not yet exist. These three attitudes, belief in a self, desire for benefits, and being hostage to past and future, compose the central core of the personality and the essential elements of self-worth. That is our ideas of self-worth. They are the roots of misfortune, bringing with them affliction and bondage. Not putting them aside means that the most important result of Chan practice, enlightenment, will be beyond reach. To experience the benefits of Chan, you have to put these attitudes aside, at least temporarily. It would be a very rare individual that can put them aside permanently and forever. Many times people can see the nature, as Sheng Yit puts it, or have an opening, get through their first koan, because for a limited amount of time, they've been able to just focus on the practice and set aside these distractions. That's why Sashin is so useful. We can do in Sashin what we might not be able to do for many, many years. He says, methods are the tools you use to correct yourself, to regulate your conduct, your speech, and your mind. Basically, we rely on the five precepts and the Eightfold Noble Path to correct our physical, mental, and verbal conduct. On retreat, we also use sitting and walking meditation, prostration, and work to regulate bodily conduct. We restrict speech and chant scriptures to regulate our verbal conduct. We practice concentration, recite the Buddha's name, and investigate wados, that is koans, to regulate our mind. The mind is the most difficult to regulate. For this, we use correct knowledge, correct mindfulness, correct concentration, and correct energetic progress. Day after day, we monitor ourselves. From moment to moment, we need to be aware of thoughts coming and going. Whether or not they are delusions, we must be aware of them. If a thought arises in a crude, careless way, after it disappears, we must alert ourselves. What was I thinking? If we can persevere, we will enjoy correct mindfulness all the time. 
There are many methods to keep the mind correct. During everyday life, you should practice like this. Where is my body? Where is my mind? What are my hands doing? Does my mind know what my hands are doing? What is my mouth saying? Does my mind know what my mouth is saying? An essential principle of Chan practice is not to let the activities of body, mouth, and mind become separated. This is really basic Buddhist teaching. Think about what we say before we say it. This mindfulness of speech. Ask ourselves, is this helpful or is it harmful? When practicing on retreat, isolate yourself. First, drop everything from the past and everything related to the future. Create an island of time that separates you from before and after these seven days. Refrain from reading, writing, talking, and making phone calls. So far as the outside world is concerned, you did not exist before and you will not exist afterward. You are living on a virgin island with no knowledge of anything outside. Unless you think like this, you will be dragging along a huge tail, carrying a lot of baggage, and it will be very painful. You will have come not to meditate, but to indulge in false thinking. If any outside thoughts occur, tell yourself, I was born on this virgin island. These outside thoughts have nothing to do with me. Second, Isolate yourself from others. Within this island of time, create an island of space, which only you inhabit. There is only one person on your cushion, you. Give your body to the cushion and your mind to the method. If people walk by you or sit beside you, this has nothing to do with you. If someone behaves strangely, if someone runs in and does cartwheels, or if your back itches, you will respond in the same way. This has nothing to do with me. There is a saying, fundamentally there is nothing in the world to be concerned about, but people make trouble for themselves. If the outside world does not influence your mind, nothing can disturb you. It's one of the great things about Sashin is that we can have this sense of being alone. We're not greeting each other as we walk past the ho- in the hallway. We're not looking up, catching other people's eyes. <clears throat> for, as, for a monitor, there's nothing more disheartening than to have somebody <clears throat> look you in the eye when there's no need to do that. All of us have our business to do. <clears throat> we support each other without distracting each other. Third, isolate yourself from your previous thought and from your succeeding thought. Good or bad, do not be concerned with them. Just take the present thought and tie it to the meditation method. That's what's most important. The past is gone, the present is dying, 
and the future is not yet. Regret, satisfaction, worries, expectations, these are all delusions. Do not waste a second on them. The advantage of practicing Chan on your own is that it is very free. It can be adjusted and arranged according to your mental and physical conditions and your particular needs. The drawback is that for people who lack the ability to cultivate themselves and the mental power of self-control, it can be easy to lose track of the guidelines. Practicing Chan in a group can be with or without a teacher, but both require guidelines for collective practice. The teacher has three functions. First, the teacher explains the concepts and methods of Chan to the group as a whole. Second, based on the correct knowledge of the Buddha Dharma and experience of Chan, the teacher gives specific meditation instructions and corrections to the group. And third, the teacher works with practitioners individually or collectively to resolve difficulties that arise. Some practitioners become aware of problems they are having and bring them to the attention of the teacher for help. In cases where students do not recognize their own problems, the teacher needs to recognize the student's problems, bring them to light, and provide help and correction. It's good to be as open as you can about what's going on in your practice. Teacher can't know everything. Sometimes just erring Airing it out, just letting someone else know what's going on can help resolve whatever you're struggling with. Need all the help that we can get. It says, everyone who comes to retreat has a unique physical and mental condition. If the teacher's instruction is the same all the time, it might be of help to some, but that is most almost like listening to a tape. There will be no way to address people's individual problems or prescribe the right medicine for them. For all these reasons, receiving proper instruction is a necessary part of the retreat process. add one more thing to everything that Sheng Yan is saying there. That is how helpful it is to enjoy our practice. <clears throat> I remember uh, after coming back, I, my Zen career had a big break in it. 15 years or so where I didn't go to Sashin and did other things that weren't helpful. And uh, when I came back, of course, there were all the old, many of the old difficulties, but there was a Sashin I did fairly soon after coming back. And on the fifth day, I think it was during the work period, it just suddenly struck me with force 
I'm glad I'm here. So much of the struggle that we have with the rules and the pain and the difficulty is of our own making, can turn around in an instant. It's one thing to hear exhortations to throw yourself into your practice. It's another thing to do it. But we can try. Try and fail. Try and fail. Then try and succeed. So much time ahead of us, such an opportunity. Just to go into the silence, find the stillness, look, look directly. This is our job here in Sashin. <clears throat> our time is up. We'll stop now and recite the four vows.